Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... It's an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. I feel like most of you. Well, do I sound funny? I, f- I sound funny to me. That's I've, better. I'm Maybe. getting a little static here, but I think we're going to work it out. I feel like I'm... Not tuned well. Can you adjust the dial a little bit? Get me on 920. I think I'm on 919 right now. <laughs> I'll work on that. 921, maybe. <laughs> it's June 1st today. We got a uh, another couple hours to spend with you. Pretty excited about today's show. No guests in the studio. Just old Dan and myself. <laughs> Did you just call me old? Well, old. <laughs> Dang. Not you necessarily. Welcome to the show. Not you necessarily old as much as the the, the duo here. The old lineup. Old hat. Ah, I you see. Know. Old you know school. You know what's not old is the KVEC lineup. I was so stoked to come on in this morning, drive in, and listen to the Jeff Bradley show. Yeah. For those of you who haven't been tuning in the last couple of weeks when we've made the announcement, there's a new lineup starting now in June and for the foreseeable future. We've got live local talk radio from 8 a.m. until noon on this radio station. I'm going to let you let a little bit of tidbit, tidbit of information if I get mouth working. Uh, beginning in July, there's a rumor that we will have another local talk show at 7 a.m. No way. Awesome. Oh my god. This is great. We've been yeah. we've been wanting this for so long. We've been complaining about the infomercial before us and now our our wish has come true. We've got block of live local radio, maybe a 5-hour block coming maybe, soon. Maybe 5. That That's one's great. not officially inked yet, but it's pretty close. So I really enjoyed Jeff Bradley's show. I I have to admit I was not up at 7 a.m. listening to the show in the old time slot. Um but it was nice to have him on before us. I really appreciated Jeff l- mentioning our show, leading leading listeners into Mortgage Matters. I was, was struck nice. by his polished radio skills. Um, it reminded me again that we're not radio pros. Yeah, I wanted to take an opportunity here <laughs> at the beginning of the show to remind you folks why Jason and I are here on the radio. First and foremost, we are mortgage guys. We... Um, We've been in the mortgage business for over 10 years now. In 2007, we started our own company, Central Coast Lending. And shortly after after opening the doors to our company, we thought, you know, doing a little Saturday radio talk show might be a good way to get our message out. And so our second um, career, I don't know if it's a career really, more of a hobby, is is this radio show. So if we don't sound as polished as some of the other folks who who are on here who clearly have some experience on the radio, that's because we're better at mortgages than radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm told you have a phenomenal radio voice. Really? Yeah. I I hear that you just get recognized wherever you go whenever you let those pipes sing. I did get voice spotted recently, <laughs> which was odd, but um yeah, it's it reminds me that there really are people listening. You know, sometimes you can't help but feel like it's just the three of us in a room here, 
talking into microphones, but uh, there's a lot of people that listen to the show, and, and we're definitely grateful, thankful for that, definitely. It's it's nice to – that you touched on this a little bit ago. We started the show in, in an effort to try to provide some service. I mean, the other the other point of it, obviously, I, I guess it goes without saying, but, you know, we're, we're hoping to build credibility in order to gain um, business in the local community, get referrals from your friends and family, and – we really struggled with a way to get the word out um, in a way that people could get to know us well enough, believe in our credibility, kind of get a little glimpse into our character, kind of an ongoing weekly slices of the resume here as we're, we're letting you guys know that we got the skills to handle this stuff. And, and it is really a nice thing that, that's been well received. I feel like... Uh, KVC is a great radio station, and the the lineup during the week and then on the weekends now is um, it's great. It, the, all of it feels like it's it's conducive and supporting to the local community, and I, I like that. I appreciate that. So yeah, it's nice to have Jeff Bradley on before us. Hopefully, some of you guys are sticking around. Maybe you're a first timer here, so I'll give you a little bit of an overview of the format of the show. Um, Dan and I spend. Our time during the week when we're not doing loans, we're paying very close attention to the market. Um, I don't know that so many people realize that a little headline, an anticipated release of some economic data like jobs reports or how the uh, existing or new home sales are being received by the market, that stuff has nearly an immediate impact on interest rates. And so when you're involved in a mortgage transaction – you know, if if we can catch a, a lock on a good day where we can get the market down, you know, a quarter or half a point, we can literally save somebody um, several thousand dollars just by paying close attention. And so it's been second nature to us to track this stuff well. We have an economic calendar that we're watching every day, and we've become really familiar with what the expectations of these uh, data releases are and, and which ones are market moving or not. And, and we've been able to really use that to our client's advantage. And so that has since translated into sharing that information with you guys. And, um, you know, and we do it a few different ways. Um, during the week, you can catch this stuff real time on our website on centralcoastlending.com. Um, or on, on our Facebook page. We're releasing this stuff real time to keep you informed about what's going on in the market. And then the radio shows our opportunity to recap what's gone on during the week and really reflect on what it means. And and that's what we do here on the radio show is and then there's more the, analysis. Then there's the entertainment stuff. <laughs> of course. You know, some of And these, that's what you're all tuning in for. And we probably <laughs> won't talk about who's kissing who in the cab on the show, but um, we're definitely gonna talk about the other kinds of things that are quirky or funny about the economy, little stories. Um, you know, we we love to talk about the underwear index and um, by the way, I saw a headline this week said the underwear index so um, bring some of you guys up to speed. The economy can be tracked. One of the ways that they can see how the economy is doing is by the sale of men's underwear. And this isn't something that Jason just made up. This is actually a, a metric that Warren Buffett uses, um, one of the many, I should say, that Warren Buffett uses to track the economic health of our country. Um, so I heard this week that the uh, – 
men's underwear index shows a bulge in the economy. That was a real headline. Wow. <laughs> a, real, a real headline. Truly. Uh, yeah, I mean... In, well in, done, sir. Well done. I, I did. I heard that the... Uh, you know, men men are fickle creatures and not likely to be investing in new underwear. They'll they'll stretch the very last breath out of a pair of underwear when confidence in the economy is low. Well, and they just get more comfortable with age. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, yeah, good pair of underwear is like a, a great T-shirt. You know, you kind of have a history with it. It's worn in nicely. The fabric's, you know, it's soft. It's welcoming. Exactly. So, um, but so when the economy gets some steam, then we'll um, invest in some new underwear. And so that's a real metric that's being tracked. Another one that's kind of humorous is um, uh, tracking trash. And as Americans are spending more and feeling better about the economy, we see a rise in the amount of trash that's collected from households around America. So out with the old and with the new, some of that fun stuff. And um, so anyway, these kind of things, uh, you know, these are the kind of things that we track and talk about, try to keep it lighthearted. Um, ultimately, we're going to keep it geared around real estate and finance because that's that's ultimately what we're doing and and do keep in mind that the goal of the show is to help educate you guys into knowing a little bit more about what goes into these transactions and you know that kind of stuff i had the most frustrating conversation last night um with a a friend a friend of a friend more or less the neighbor of a friend nice guy uh, we got talking. Would you be shocked if I told you we got talking about um, home loans and uh, I would not interest rates. I would not be shocked. So this guy has uh, three houses in Santa Margarita, and you know one of them he occupies. The other two are rental properties, and um, kind of got kind of got going on this. He kind of got on a rant about you know well I never even did one of those harp loans because I don't think people need to be taking advantage of government bailout programs. And I I held it in, but I kind of had a chuckle like oh well that's uh, I guess admirable of you that you would pay more every month to the bank than you have to so that you can be more patriotic in your fight here. To the same people you're already making your payment to who are offering yeah. you a better deal. So good job there. <laughs> Don't you know I I'm, I'm glad you're you're so against all the public assistance, including paying less interest to banks. And but so anyways I, I, I kinda let it roll off a little bit and then um I and then I asked I say, Hey, well what's your What's the primary hang-up here? And even if you didn't do a harp loan, because it kind of sounded like one of his properties definitely had some equity. You know, you only owed two hundred twenty thousand on it, and interest rates five point eight seven five. So, well, you know, it's it's too expensive to refinance an investment property. And I go, oh, did you like you looked into it and like got some quotes and figured out that there's just no benefit in it for you. And, oh, yeah, you know, I got all these friends that are in the loan business, and everybody, you know, tries to tell me the same thing. But And I go, well, did you actually get, like, a quote that showed you what it would cost you and what your new payment would be? And he goes, look, I've had this loan for five years. I'm not interested in getting another 30-year loan. And I said, I understand that perfectly. Did you know that you can get a 25-year loan? And if you could accomplish, 
the exact same loan amount now over 25 years that you would pay the house off at the exact same time, but you would probably save several hundred dollars a month in interest. And he said, I'm not interested in saving any money on interest. My tenant pays my interest. And I said, <laughs> your rent won't change. You don't need to lower your rent because you lower your mortgage payment. In fact, here's a kind of a, um, a cool thing that people, sophisticated uh, financial people do. If you're okay paying $1,500 a month and we can shorten your term by five years, um, we're going to be able to knock off 60 payments of $1,500 a month. Uh, what is that? Uh, $80,000 or something. Um, but in addition to that, um, you could continue to, rather than pay the $1,200 or whatever you might be saving, why don't you just pay the 15 still and you'll pay your loan off even faster. Um, and he goes, well, it never works like that. you know. And I'm like, mm, it truly, really does. And you can, not only could you get a fixed amortization period that guarantees the end date to your loan, but you could also add to it every month and pay it off sooner. And uh, then he went into telling me that um, I didn't fully understand what he was trying to say. And so I said, you know, I can appreciate your skepticism completely. And at this point, I'm merely only arguing with you because I feel um, – like it's my duty here as I am a professional in this business to let you know that you are leaving massive amounts of money on the table by not refinancing. And then he goes, um, you know, the other problem is the homeowner's insurance. You can't, you can't just get homeowner's insurance. And, and I said, well, you absolutely can. And he goes, well, this is something you're just ignorant about. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, you can't just get new homeowner's insurance when you don't live in the house. And I said, you absolutely can. You get you pick your carrier. You're welcome to shop of all available carriers. And whatever the deal is, you keep it. But furthermore, on a refi, whether or not you choose to do an impound account, you can keep the policy you have. The only thing that changes is the lender's loss payee information. If the house should burn down, they don't want to pay your old bank. They'd like to pay your new bank. So we give that update. But otherwise, and he says, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, Allstate won't even write new business in, in our county. And I said... That's because they're moving to auto loans. Yeah, they, they've, <laughs> they've moved away. Allstate did make some big changes over who they're willing to insure. But if you have an existing policy, refinancing doesn't interrupt that policy. So at that point, the conversation kind of started to get a little bit wonky as I realized that... I'm I'm talking with somebody that um isn't really coachable doesn't doesn't care to have an open mind enough but it was so frustrating I I walked away from there and and I couldn't help but feel like I wonder how many people like that out that there are out there how many of these people are missing the fact that you don't upset your insurance your property taxes are not going to increase you don't have to get a longer loan term than what you have today. There's an opportunity to shorten the loan term and that um, the costs in the transaction uh, can be pretty well controlled. I mean, I try to remind people all the time that when you refinance, it, it, it has to do with a few key things here. Um, is your objective to pay the house off as soon as possible? 
that's a different objective than how much money can I save per month. You know, and if you're in a season of your life where you've got kids that are in college or expenses that are hard and you're just you really are struggling to keep all of the balls in the air, then that person's objective may be to go back over 30 years, get the lowest rate possible, save as much money per month as you can. That's a different set of circumstances than somebody else who maybe you're 50 years old and um, the the income, you know, what your discretionary or disposable income is every month. That's not the big deal. But what you're trying to do is pay the home off as soon as possible. You want to be done in 15 years so you can retire at 65. Then we can look at shortening up loan terms. And I know I bring this up a lot, but um, we see people every day that have 25 years left to go and they can get into a 20 year payment for right about the same, the same monthly payment, regardless of whether or not the closing costs are high or low or whatever, you can't negate this fact that if you've got 25 years to go and you can trim that down to 20 and keep the payment the same, even if it goes up 100 bucks a month, saving five full years of your principal and interest, if it's 1000 or $3,000 a month, that will add up to be a ridiculous amount of cash. And, I mean, not only that, but you could then, maybe you could retire five years earlier. Um, these are the kind of approaches that we take. Uh, you sit down and really listen to somebody. We know how to interview you to figure out what your objectives are. And, you know, worst case scenario, and I reminded um, this friend last night that um, I regularly invite people into my office. We pull up the amortization schedules. We run the closing cost estimates. We get the calculators out. And at the end of it, sometimes I have to look back at somebody and say, you're better off to stick with the loan that you got. You know, we, we analyzed it. We did the thing. Didn't don't feel like we wasted this last 20 minutes, but you, the loan that you have is a good one. We're We're never going to make a loan for somebody that, doesn't meet their objectives. And, and furthermore, our clients understand the kinds of loans they're getting and why, and they understand what those other options are. So anyway, I, we don't usually get into that talk so early in the show. That's like a second hour kind of conversation, but, but I was so fired up about it. And even this morning, so you didn't like, get, you didn't convince no. that, that person that no, they no, could do something. couldn't, That's... just couldn't, and it was, um, that was... Well, you tried. You made a great attempt. It was hard. Well, was you're getting, for those of you newbies who have um, made your way to Mortgage Matters via the Jeff Bradley Show, the new show at 9 o'clock, you're getting just a little taste of what we do here um, from 10 to noon on Mortgage Matters. It seems only fitting that now that you've been properly introduced to the show and the format of the show that you should be introduced to our sponsors, Oh, yeah. These are real sponsors, not inserted national people that we don't know. These are real folks around the county here that we actually use their services as well. We truly believe them to be experts in their field, and uh, it's time for you to get to know them as well. So stick around. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a savvy real estate investor, there's no denying that now is a great time to buy. We pride ourselves in offering every loan program at the lowest interest rate and the lowest fees. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, we do it all. Let Central Coast Lending do your next purchase. Your loan will close on time and on budget with no last-minute surprises. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The third annual Stax Wine Raffle is on, and you can win 100 bottles of premium wine valued at over $3,000, courtesy of Stax Wine Bar of Morrow Bay. Only 100 tickets will be sold. One in five tickets will be a winner, but only one lucky person will win the grand prize. All proceeds are to benefit the Morrow Bay 4th of July celebration. The raffle will be held on June 30th at 1 p.m. at Stax Wine Bar in Morrow Bay. Help support the Morrow Bay 4th of July and buy your raffle ticket today. For more info, call 772-5055. That's 772-5055, or go to StaxWine.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 1027 here on June 1st. I'm going to miss you guys next week. I'm going on vacation, so I'm not even going to be here. I'm not even going to listen. I'm going to be sitting with my feet in the sand, relaxing You're not going to listen? I'll probably listen. Yeah, you can have that little Wi-Fi app. That's I love to listen to the show, cool by the way, when I'm not on it. <laughs> really hard for me to listen to the show when I hear myself. And you, Jim's, you've been on the radio, what, like 20 years or something? Yes. So you're probably totally used to the way that you sound and stuff. But you, mm. you know that phenomenon, before I started doing the radio, if I ever heard like a, um, if I left a phone message at home, like for my parents or something, then I'd hear myself, hey, it's me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, I sound like a total doofus. And so I've never, I don't understand why our heads sound different than what other people hear of us, but 
at, at any rate, when I hear myself on the radio, I'm so critical of the way that I enunciate the bizarre things that I say. I'm like, why would I even say that? That was ridiculous. Uh, um, the bulge in the underwear thing. A little bit. <laughs> see, now that's good radio right there. The bulge in the economy, Jim. You no, see, you heard something different than what I even said. Uh, we're gonna have to isolate that one down. And uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, I saw it. I believe may have been on Bloomberg. <laughs> At any rate, um, yeah, that was a good headline. Um, picked up another piece this week that uh, really caught my interest. And, you know, oftentimes I I see little headlines about things related to um, real estate, economics, finance, these kind of things. Um, and I read the headline. We'll look and see who the experts are they're quoting. Oftentimes I find myself reading from a cynical view where um, I wish the person that they were quoting was a little bit more on point. But so anyways, I, I usually read in the first paragraph or so, and it feels like it's rare that one of the articles will catch my attention where I want to read the whole thing. Uh, this one, this one got me, and I and I did. I went in there and I read the entire thing. is a great piece, and this was an article that I found in the week. And by the way, I think a lot of the listeners of the show here, you're here today because you enjoy um, keeping up to date on the events and metrics of the economy and these kinds of things. The week has been um, one of my favorite places to get news from. Um, it's kind of one of the websites that's go-to for me when I'm sitting on the couch with my iPad checking it out. Uh, the cool thing is, is they do the whole host. So you can get, um, you know, sports, arts, lifestyle, these kinds of things that aren't always so chunky, but just more entertaining. But then they also do politics, business, and tech. Um, but the fun thing is, is they're more an aggregator of news. They'll take a headline that happened this week and take the opposing sides of it and present really both of their arguments. And you don't generally find an opinion of this particular writer. So it's kind of like a, hey, here's what's being talked about. Here's what the two different halves have to say in the conversation. And then you kind of read it and draw your own conclusion. So anyway, that's my plug for the week. It's a free site to go check out. They do have a magazine that you can subscribe to. Um, but I really enjoy the week, so kudos to those guys. Um, this headline was, Great Recession Hangover, What Happened to America's Lost Wealth? And this one, uh, the reason why I really enjoyed this is because, um, so this is the guy from the St. Louis Federal Reserve. Um, so one of the people that's really in t influential over monetary policy, a good handle on what's happening nationally. And um, so, look, we talked about people from 2008 to today on the show. In 2008, you may have lost how much. I mean, between your 401K and your stocks and your home value and stuff, it was – Americans lost like 50% of their accumulated wealth and assets quickly. I mean, nearly overnight that year. And if you stayed in the stock market completely, remember it was, it was what, a year and a half maybe ago that they said those people that stayed in completely were basically back to flush as far as what their investment accounts did. Um, so I read a few weeks ago 
that um, there was some good news that America had recovered 91% of household wealth since the crash in, in 2008. And I thought, that's pretty remarkable because home values certainly aren't back to where they were. Um, I mean, we learned last week that home values are touching into where they were at the end of 2003. And we know they climbed from that level through 2000. Uh, what did they say the peak was, Dan? July or so? I think it of, depends on the market. But, yeah, 2006, 2007. Yeah, I, I read like July of 2000. I think I have accepted July of 2006 for my number. Um and that kind of correlates with when we saw the mortgage market really start to fall flat on its face. Um, but so real estate values haven't rebounded to what they were in, in 2006. I mean, we're we're still three years behind that. So how did you recapture 91% of your wealth if your home, which is your biggest investment, is still not back to where it was? It's le- It's still... It's not within 9% of where it was at any rate. Um, so I thought that was really interesting one, and I think a lot of people accepted it. Well, this guy, um, the St. Louis Fed, announced that um, he has figured that the wealth recovered is 45%. So that's a, those are two very different numbers, that America recovered 91% of their household wealth Versus this update now to say 45%. And and by the way, these stats are coming out within like two and a half months of one another. They took this on from a slightly different angle and evaluated um, how how much wealth has returned, but not using some of the same divisors. So um, basically, you got to account for inflation because things have gotten more expensive in the last few years, but then also there's more households today. So as you go and add up how much um, wealth there is and divide that by the number of households in America, if you kept the same metric from 2008, to today, um, you would be missing the addition of a lot of new households, but then also not taking into consideration the um, taking into consideration inflation. So these guys go on to to break the data apart a little bit different, adjusting for inflation and population growth, and and that really does show that. Um, though we've regained 14.7 trillion of the 16.7 loss, that's that 91% number. Um, we've lost a big chunk of that because 3.8 million more households exist today. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is that there's one number looking at just total household wealth and another number looking at household wealth per household. Correct. So that's where you're getting the Yeah, and that's what's really um, deceiving is when you consider household wealth, you have to break it down to individual households. But these guys, when you just look at Okay, we lost sixteen trillion, but we've recaptured fourteen point seven trillion. Congratulations, that's ninety one percent households have recaptured ninety one percent of their wealth. No, you forgot about the three point eight million additional households that have sprung up in the last five, six years. So um Well and there's also been a lot of evidence that those with the high that already have the wealth have been able to go out and take advantage of a of a housing market that was ripe for the picking. Right. And so this brings us into the next part of the article, which I think I enjoyed a little bit more. Um, it's, 
you know, when you say the household has recovered 91% of its wealth, that sounds pretty egalitarian. Sounds like all of us. Oh, good. I mean, should I go examine my balance sheets and make sure that's where I am? But really what they're saying is that of all of the recovered wealth, um, 9.1 trillion of it, which is 62%, um, is rising share prices in the booming stock markets. Much of that, so this has outpaced the recovery in housing, the actual wealth recovered from the stock market, but it's unevenly held. Uh, you got to know this just intrinsically. Um, the majority of the stocks owned are large amounts of stock owned by a relatively few amount of super wealthy families. You know, take, for example, somebody like uh, Buffett, who we talk about all the time. Um, this guy's got more money than God, and he's heavily invested in the markets at any one time, takes huge holds of one particular company, but also just way into the market in a very big way. Um, did Buffett bail out in 2008, got spooked and scared and stayed out of the market? He did not. He continued to buy and add and keep holding because he knew that this was going to happen. But that's because this guy's got so much money that he doesn't necessarily depend on. If your life savings was $80,000 and you put that into the stock market in 2006 and in 2008 you woke up and it was $30,000, you go, oh, my God, I can't believe I lost more than half of what I had. I need my money out today. I'm going to put it into something else and make sure that I don't lose my other 30000 bucks because it's hard for me to save that much money. Now that you're out of the market, you're hosed. You have no chance of recovering back to where you were. So these super wealthy people that feel like it's not as critical stayed in the market, and they've been well recovered. The average – so today when you, when you get in here and look at this um, – Especially people in our demographic in their 20s, 30s, um, they're not putting a lot of money into the stock market today. The stock market feels scary. Plus, you know, I was thinking about that this week. Am I ready to to put some money into the stock market, put more money into the stock market? Um, I don't know. It's like 15.5. Is this like, is this sustainable? Is it going to go back down? Is it a good time? Feels risky. Um, Maybe just want to stay in cash a little longer. Um, that's a mindset that's shared by a lot of people like, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s that are saw people get burned, not sure if it's the right place to be. So anyways, we have less people today, um, uh, less families have experienced that recovery because they couldn't, they didn't have the gall to stay in, didn't have that staying power confidence. Um, and so bottom line is home values are the lion's share of wealth for middle-class families. Low- and middle-class families, this is this shelter for them is a huge investment. It is their investment, and it's recovering, but it's a, it's a kind of a desperate recovery for those people that are not experiencing the same return of the household um, wealth. And so I, just, uh, I, I really enjoyed the piece, thought it was a really a great write-up, and um, really made me feel like... If you want to look at the headline just from that 91% figure, you've got to associate that with people that have got some pretty good money, enough money that they had more staying power than the middle class folks who 
didn't stay in, aren't reinvesting, are still gun-shy from it and betting on housing more, which is recovering but not at the same pace. So so that's kind of an interesting thing. So I'll go back to the headline of the article again because I think it's a good one, the Great Recession Hangover. And, and that's really what it is. Like we had like – um, the Great Recession, and I i mean, if you look at just GDP, the recession is over. Um, though a lot of us feel like we're still recovering, there's the hangover right there. If you didn't stay in the market, um, can get pretty beat up, and you haven't recovered 91% of your wealth, you're closer to about 45% of recovered wealth. So uh, interesting take. And above all else, we'll move on to something else now, but um, – I felt thankful that one of the um, Fed members, the St. Louis Fed here, um, looking at it like that, looking at it for the middle class American, looking at that going, nah, you guys are missing it here. We're not 91% recovered. If anything, the average household is 45% recovered. Those are the kind of critical thinkers I'm glad are part of the Fed. You know, it's interesting. We've got to move into a commercial break here, but that St. Louis Fed member has been – one of the outliers with a lot of these Fed Always meetings. Always mixing it up. Yeah, he's been um, the dissenting vote often t- over the past 18 months or so with regard to the current Fed monetary policy. That gentleman has been the the outlier, the the other guy. Of but the, that's good. I yeah, love, I love to that have they're the going to have critical opinions. thinking and, and really hash these things out and debate them openly. I, I'm I'm stoked about that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into the next commercial break here. It's 1041. We get back. We'd love to hear from you guys. Number to the studio is 543-8830. Again, 543-8830. Stick with us after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The third annual Stax Wine Raffle is on, and you can win 100 bottles of premium wine valued at over $3,000 courtesy of Stax Wine Bar of Morro Bay. Only 100 tickets will be sold. One in five tickets will be a winner, but only one lucky person will win the grand prize. All proceeds are to benefit the Morro Bay 4th of July celebration. The raffle will be held on June 30th at 1 p.m. at Stax Wine Bar in Morro Bay. Help support the Morro Bay 4th of July and buy your raffle ticket today. For more info, call 772-5055. That's 772-5055 or go to StaxWine.com. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You wouldn't hike Mount Everest without a Sherpa, and you shouldn't endure the loan process without one either. At Central Coast Lending, we take the confusion, stress, and anxiety out of your loan transaction. Our experienced team of loan officers will serve as your guides, your experts, your mortgage Sherpas. Let the Central Coast Lending mortgage Sherpas lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. 
State of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters, everyone. It's 1045 on June 1st. I'm Jason Grody in the studio here with Dan Podesto. We're the owners and operators of Central Coast Lending. We, uh, are, we're the mortgage experts. We make the best home loans in the world. In fact, maybe in the universe. Um, hey, we're, we've been talking about stocks, and i got to throw this out here again real quick. I have no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> in the stock market. I couldn't be uh, more clueless about how these things work. Um, I don't get it. One day I see economic data come out that should send traders running scared to the hills, and the stock market goes up. And then the next day I see some phenomenal news that should make it appear as though you cannot lose money in business today and the stock market is down. Um, I try to recognize these patterns up a day, down a day, up two days, up three days. Um, I can't track it. A day trader right now has gotten more gall than anybody I know. That's ridiculous. Kudos for having that kind of a just Teflon skin. Um, so I got to know, though, Dan, you're you're one of the smartest guys I know. Is this a good time to be buying stocks? <laughs> Oh man, I you know I'm I'm no stock expert either. I you know really focus more on the bond market and and mortgages because that's really what what our business relies on every month. Yesterday's last hour of stock trading was really I I feel emblematic of what the stock market is today. It's 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 a roller coaster ride. It's unpredictable, um, and a lot of it has to do with the Fed intervention in the economy right now. And that's really the chatter on the stock. For those of you who don't, who aren't, you know, watching the stocks every day, in in about the last hour of trading, I think we went from about a flat market in the Dow to down two hundred points. Yeah, the day was like thirty up, six up, fifteen up, kind of just whatever in the black. And then in the last hour of trading comes this like. Uh, Friday afternoon backhand, anybody that wasn't paying close attention closed down 208 points in the Dow. And 100 of that loss was in the last 15 minutes of trading. So check this out. This is so my wife's grandfather um, is really has made a lifelong study of investing and of the markets and stuff. He's incredibly smart. I, I cling to every minute I have with him over these conversations. I, I, I glean so much. Um, he was telling me that, you know, back in the day when you chose to buy into a company's stock, you would take a look at the books 
evaluate the company, um, look at their performance records and history, take into consideration what their research and development teams are working on. If it's a company like, you know, that's into distributing or whatever, what, what additional distribution channels are they adding? How is this company going to be more profitable and, or are they exposing themselves in a way that they may actually devalue? And you would study these things pretty closely um, before ultimately deciding that this is a company where you're going to buy stock in it because your stock will grow in value if this company is more profitable. Is that how stock investors are investing today? (laughs) I don't think so. We look at stock investors today. I see, you know, we know we see all the tools and the trackers and all this kind of thing. I feel like a lot of people buy on a hunch. Hey, man, I really love Netflix. I love having those three movies at my house every day when I get there. And they just opened up that streaming thing. This is gangbusters. Let's buy some Netflix. Um, and, and maybe that's an okay way to buy stocks too, but I feel like it's a little more sketchy over this thing. But so let's go back to those basics though, because this is part of why the stock sold off yesterday. Good news in the economy. Okay. Strength in the economy is having a negative impact on stocks right now for a couple of reasons. And generally, this would be great news because if if you are uh, doing well and the consumer confidence is up and spending is up, um, everybody's got a good sentiment, housing is appreciating, things are looking really good, that usually means that, hey, you should expect – Coca-Cola or whatever stock you're looking at, that's probably going to go up in value. The business climate is improving. Things are getting better. Um, This is where – this is a good bet now. Um, Problem today, we've got this lifeline still. We're plugged into life support in a really big way. The feds, the treasury today is still buying $85 billion a month, billion a month, of mortgage-backed securities, um, and it's open-ended. We have no idea when it's going to end, um, though we've seen over the last couple of weeks Bernanke's made several statements about um, when unemployment hits the 6.5% level and other signs of the economy are signaling um, growth and healing that they'll begin tapering that, Okay. But when they taper that, interest rates are going to go up. The cost of doing business will rise. And a lot of, a lot of people, um, don't fully understand how a company like GM depends so much on interest rates. Uh, GM has huge lines of credit. They, they do things like put payroll on lines of credit. They got flooring lines to the dealers that sell these cars. They're borrowing money to do the construction, you know, manufacturing of new automobiles, so much of what they do relies so heavily on credit that if those rates should shoot up a quarter or half or 1%, they will um, have a reduction in their overall profitability, which would in turn drive their stock value down. So this good news in the economy is directly tied to the Fed ending the stimulus. So more good news, more good news, more good news. The sooner the stimulus is going to end, when the stimulus ends, business cost is going to increase and stocks are going to begin to fall. 
So what a wild ride right now. I feel like we're turned around in the middle of the ocean in a swell that's growing with wind waves in every direction, and you don't even know which way to head because – Everywhere, everywhere we look right now, this volatility, and I can only believe it's based still on this life support the economy has with this purchasing of mortgage-backed securities. Um, what do you do? So that being said, is it a good time to be in the stock market? Uh, I don't know. It's a scary time. It's <laughs> a, you have to be a great stock picker, I think, right now to be confidently invested. Like you said, the, the the low interest rate environment we have is really our lifeline for this economy right now. And, but it's a legacy of the financial crisis we just went through. Um, as as we get healthier as an economy, we're going to take a couple of steps back as far as corporate profitability goes. Maybe even consumer spending is going to step back a little bit. Be- um, yeah, and, and but even on the most basic level, how does this affect me? Okay, I'm not in the stock market. I'm just a normal Joe Citizen guy. How's this going to affect me? I'll give you an idea. If interest rates go up to five or six percent, there's some upside. There's some downside. The talking heads in the room for the last couple of months started talking about this new real estate bubble within the recovery. And that this bubble is predicated on low interest rates, that you, as a buyer today, have an artificial purchasing power because of the three and a quarter interest rate. And when that's gone, the average person is going to have a diminished affordability, and that will be reflected then in the sales price of homes because you, you if you have a house for sale for $400,000 um, – you know, there's the fair market value has something to do with what they rent for, what the interest cost is, um, has a lot to do with the demand. Okay, if it's less affordable because rates are higher, you're going to see demand fall a little bit. With the fall of demand, will prices soften, and then will people begin having to ask a little bit less and 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 be willing to accept a little bit less? And does that then start a slide? Because, you know, you're going to see the bubble pop. Sure. I I totally think that's what we're in for right now. There was an interesting article. Um, where is this? The Mortgage Reports. It's a blog, um, mortgagereports.com. And a gentleman here, Dan Green, wrote an article about this affordability concept here with housing and interest rates where they're at. If interest rates rise 1%, a home buyer's affordability goes down by nearly 11%. So so then if, uh, in theory then wouldn't a, a list price fall by close to 11% to, to attract keep, the same buyer to keep the market intact. Sure. Now, you could argue that the market could probably use a little bit of weeding out of some of the people given the the environment we're in where there's multiple offers and overbidding um but if rates rise one, maybe two percent, now maybe we've gotten rid of the overbidding. Now we've also entered an environment where just to attract a single buyer, that home seller needs to consider a lower list price for their home. For so, just so you get get this number concept here, if if a home buyer today, assuming a twenty percent down payment and current interest rates, was able to be pre-approved for a maximum six hundred thousand dollar home. Um, if rates rose 1%, the, 
the same buyer could afford a home for $550,000. So that just gives you an idea of, of what a small rise in interest rates can do to someone's purchasing power. And at the same time, though, the, and this is the part that we, you've got to give a little bit of mind to. Um, what's savings rate on your savings account right now? Point one, two, point three. If you're really good, point yeah. eight. Where are you banking? Um, you could. You'll be making more money on the wealth that you do have, and this has been this has been one of the things that's talked about and kind of swept under the rug because it's like, ah, well, that's going to happen n- next year or something. We don't know when that's going to happen, but but remember when you could get three, four, five percent on a CD. Um, you, you could make a certificate of deposit for X amount of dollars and actually you kind of count that as your growing assets, but some of that is really actually income. I mean, the government sort of taxes it taxable interest as though it's income to you. Um, so that, that's going to be an, and there's been some great pieces written about that, that, that being the next piece for these households to recover some of their wealth, to, to get some appreciation on the assets that they have that they're not getting today. Um, so that, that's part of it. And then at the same time, too, um, you know, as you're able to save more, uh, it's – you're gonna, you, yeah, you're gonna be paying more because right now, I mean, you can get an auto loan for some ridiculous no percent. You still get these super cheap credit cards and all these kinds of things. Everything's really inexpensive right now because rates are so low. But so what? What we're ultimately talking about, and this is kind of how I've arrived at it, is. I don't want to say a bubble because to me, like, it look at like this nice big bubble. It's got that like oily sheen to it in the sun and it looks good. It's like there one second and the next it's just gone. You know, you got little soapy fragments in your eye and you're like, that was terrible. I don't want to call this a bubble because I don't think that's what's going to happen. But I do think that there, if you look at this like as a trajectory here on home prices and home values and affordability of borrowers, if the trajectory needs to be realigned, it's going to have to dip a little bit. Every correction kind of has a bounce in it. And so, yeah, it, the people that are always – and you hear me say this on the show. All, every time we have this conversation, I come back to the same thing. The people that are right in the mix at that very day. You're the seller today. If you're having trouble getting bites at 400000 you may need to come down to three eighty or three ninety. If you're the buyer that was pre-qualified at a 3.5% interest rate with a 44.9% debt-to-income ratio, and now interest rates are 5% by the time you find a home, you aren't going to be able to buy the same $400,000 house you had before. As you need to keep your debt-to-income ratio below the limit, your affordability is going to change. Not to mention just the personal budget aspect of, you know, I'm only willing to pay $2,200 a month for a house. That's a function of the interest rate. So, yeah, there's the people that are right in the mix are going to feel the squeeze, but then the market will be back to normal within the next three to six months of that. Hey, folks, we sure are glad that you joined us here for Mortgage Matters. We've got one more hour with you today. Um, we also want to invite your phone calls at 543-8830, 543-8830. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters.
All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's now 11.05, and um, you did hear Dan correctly. You have a whole other hour here with us on Mortgage Matters, and uh, we're thrilled that you're with us. Thank you. Um, it, it's better for us to know there are people out there listening. Uh, you know, some of these syndicated radio shows have like a concurrent webcast thing that's going on in the studio during the breaks. Yes. People would love that for Mortgage Matters because whether it's just me and Dan or it's us with a guest, we end up having some of the juiciest, most awesome talks during, <laughs> during the commercials. Like we, I mean, we're like solving, you know, major problems during these commercial breaks as we're sitting out there, you know, kind of once you get done talking, like the way you have to kind of. I don't know, poise yourself to the microphone and you kind of step back and take a deep breath. You're like, yeah, man, that's the answer. But (laughs) so what we're talking about, though, and and here's the deal. Interest rates are going to go up. Everybody knows that, right? They have to go up. I mean, mean, they've been sliding for about 30 years now. Yeah, since 1983. (laughs) It's finally time. So, and, you know, it's that's not all bad. It's really not. When when you can make more money on your savings, um, when you're, you know, and even like the business and stuff like that, if, if you're in business for yourself or you work for somebody that owns their business, um, that business owner, depending on how they use credit, may actually see a benefit from having, you know, those higher interest rates, especially businesses that have some reserves and stuff will, will make interest on that. But the thing is, is that um, I, I look at, like, my grandparents, right? And I'm like, oh, you know, Grandpa, you lucky dog. You're there in, like, 1960 when you bought that house for $9,000, and now it's worth four hundred grand or whatever. Like, oh, that's so amazing, and that's never going to happen for us. And and I look, I feel like there's this whole generation that, by dumb luck, walked into – these dirt cheap houses. Oh, you could buy an Impala for three grand. That's amazing. You want to buy a new GM car today? You better have twenty five thousand bucks. If I could buy a brand new car for three grand, I'd be rich too. And the thing is, is that um, so so really, and I I get it. We don't need phone calls right now to explain to me that you only made a hundred bucks a week or whatever. I understand all of that. My my point though is that. I look at these today's generation and say, well, where's your opportunity going to be to make a ton of dough, to really have a, a smooth retirement because you were smart and made good investments and everything? Um, I got to tell you, picture this. Now, I'm going to take you here. Shut your eyes. Imagine this. 2020, okay? Interest rates are 9%. That's possible. It really is. So if the interest rate's 9%, people that are turning 25, fresh out of college, two years on the job, going out to buy a house, they got no choice. You can buy a 9% house. Whatever the ra- whatever the value is, that's what you're going to pay. You're going to buy your house paying the fair market interest rate. Now, 2020, you're in this thing. You got seven years now. In fact... What's your interest rate? Oh, what's that? Three and a quarter? Three and a half? Four percent? Four and a half percent? Five percent? Whatever that is? Oh, good for you. You're saving so much money every month over all these other poor schleps that missed that window. 
if for no other reason than age and readiness at that point in their life, they missed it. Um, now they're that to me, that's the opportunity for this next generation here to really make some dough, save some money and set themselves up for a, a secure retirement. So in all of this, and I, I know it's a little bit um, pointed coming from a guy that makes loans for a living, but all you can do today, you can't affect the Fed stimulus, the discount overnight rate, all these things. This doesn't. This isn't something that you're even losing sleep about, but you had better make sure that you got the lowest interest rate that you could get on all of the real estate that you hold, and even still... Um, people can and some people should be buying investment property if you've got the capital to be able to do it and lock in these dirt cheap interest rates because they're going to prove to be an amazing vehicle for wealth tomorrow. And um, so, yeah, there'd be some bumps and bruises along the way. There's going to be some changes in affordability, some buyers that fall out of qualification or are forced to buy a less expensive home. There's going to be some sellers that are going to have to sell for less because their marketability changes with this diminished affordability of the buyers. That That's all going to happen. And there's going to be people that get caught and squeezed in that, and it's going to suck for them. For the average Joe public guy, you're going to see savings rates go up. You're going to see, you know, we were talking a little bit about consumer confidence. Consumers, one of the headlines came out this week, consumers more confident today than they've been in five years. That's awesome. I'm glad the consumer is so confident. Um, That's a good thing for a country whose GDP depends on consumer spending. Imagine the confidence in consumers when they're getting 5% in their savings account and the mortgage they've got for their $400,000 mortgage is at 3.5%. That's a confident consumer. That guy feels like he's got the world by the tail. That's where we'll see some real um, growth, You know, not just based on optimism, but, but based on feeling secure in your position, loving the fact that your house payment is literally a fraction of what it would be if you were at that 9% interest rate. So that's going to be a normal part of the recovery. And and like it or not, we're all going to have to embrace it and make the best of it. But the only thing that you can control today is to get yourself to the lowest possible rate you can. And I'm thrilled that we're able to do that for people. Dan, you shared about a lady who you you heard a conversation this week. She first called when the rate, you know, a couple weeks ago, the rate was three and three eighths. Called back this week to find out that it's closer to four. Um, disappointed. Oh yeah, so sad. You were going to save 150 bucks a month. Now you're only saving 130. Um, don't at all jeopardize or gamble the real savings of 130 bucks a month because you're lamenting the 20 that you didn't catch. Get out and make this happen. We know that people still have interest rates that are four and a half or five, five and a half. The guy last night I was talking about three loans at 5.875. What a knucklehead. And I get it. You, you feel like you don't want to pay exorbitant fees. You don't want to extend your term out another 30 years. If you're listening to us ever on the show, you're hearing us tell you, 
There's a way to keep the fees down. There's a way to keep the term in a way that meets your objective. There's all of this stuff is very workable. Um, that, that was uh, brought up to me again this last week here. It's very different than loans of yesteryear where you like walk into the bank and there's a dude in a tie that tells you, well, here's the deal. This is how it's going to go. Very, very different than the way that we've structured our company where you're going to come in absent of all the posturing, have a very easy conversation, maybe even fun, um, where we're going to facilitate the math and logic because that's what we're good at. And we're going to lay out all the options and attempt to pair loan products with terms, rates, and fees in a way that accomplish your objectives. Um, I get people in their 50s and 60s and 70s that say, this is the 15th mortgage that I've gotten in my life and never has anybody ever helped me understand or even offered to me that there was a decision that somehow the borrower has discretion in the type and term and you know these kinds of characteristics of a loan that's so foreign to me because we're we couldn't be more opposite about it um i give everybody all of the options uh want you to feel like not only do you understand but that you're participating in the decision and it's um you know anyway that, that i got on the soapbox again i know i do that from time to time so I wanted to do this next segment, Dan. I thought we could move a little bit into we've been talking about the stock market and what to anticipate there, the economic data, the good news this week that caused a big drop in the market yesterday, um, which is funny, feels a little bit disconnected, but there is a lot of news. And so let, let's move in now to talk about some of those stats. Um, and, you know, because we did, we learned again about initial jobless claims, which is is always telling. Um, we learned more about Case Schiller came out this week with some huge news. So this would be a, a good time to talk a bit about that data and how it's affecting the market. Sure. Well, you mentioned the big headline, and and that is that Americans are more confident that they've been in five years. Um, what we're not seeing, however, is that pull through to consumer spending, at least not yet. Where consumer spending figures have been relatively flat. In fact, this most recent reading for consumer spending, it dropped 0.2%. Um, and the March reading was cut a little bit. So that was probably the only real, if you can call it negative, a negative headline that we saw. Everything else really seemed to be a positive figure. We saw, um, well, what, what did you find out for jobless claims? That number I didn't. Oh, now you're going to put me just right on Here, point. I'll give you a moment. I'll I'll start with, um, you know, what you was know, it? I'm a pro. I already had it. Okay. Well, I'm going to still give you a minute. Okay. About two weeks ago, we learned that our unemployment rate as a country continues to fall. It's down to 7.5%. Um, we also learned that California's unemployment rate has fallen. Our county, San Luis Obispo, has fallen. We're sixth out of 58 counties in our state. Um the Labor Department let us know that jobless rates declined in 344 of the 372 largest metro areas in the country. Rates, Unemployment rates only rose in 17 out of 372 cities and were unchanged in 11 of those cities. So this is a nationwide um, 
thing that we're seeing with the unemployment rate continuing to fall. We've seen now, for the most part, maybe a few weeks here and there, jobless claims popping up. But for the most part, jobless claims have made a steady uh, downward movement for our, what, two, three years now? Yeah. So there's a there's a weekly report that comes out every single Thursday that tells us how many initial jobless claims were applied for this week. These are first-time jobless benefits. Now, you got to know that there's a little bit of um, – there's things that can move this because this, this week it came out um, – at 354,000 initial claims, 354,000 people showed up for first-time unemployment. It was expected to be unchanged from the prior week, which was at 340. Um, so you see that, but check it out. Um, 10,000 jobs can be shed over um, inclement weather. <laughs> Right. Construction could be knocked off because of hurricanes or tornadoes. We see sometimes just the seasonality of really big jobs, um, layoffs in certain industries or whatever. So these so my point is is this number can be a little bit volatile when you're tracking it every Thursday morning. So they keep track of a four week moving average. That one's probably a little bit more telling. The four week moving average is down over last year, the year before, and the year before, it's definitely trending in the right direction. It's below 350,000. The four-week moving average below 350,000 is a signal of a moderately um, growing labor market. That means that as long as we keep those numbers below 350 a week in average per month, we will see the the labor market is continuing to improve. And it's exciting because we're coming into summer months. And um, but so to keep this whole theme together right now as we're talking about how these things impact the market, when we see jobless claims as well as the monthly employment reports, these are market movers almost every single week. We have expectations. Like I said a minute ago, this week we expected it to be um, unchanged. We thought the number would be about the same. There was no storms or big layoff announcements or any event that would lead us to believe that a lot more people were out of work, nor do we believe that we created 50,000 extra jobs or something that was going to have an impact here. So we thought it was going to be unchanged. It grew a little bit. Um, when that grows... The jobless claims growing, that's bad news. And so think teeter-totter in terms of interest rate, that inverse relationship. Bad news in the economy is generally good news for interest rates. If the future doesn't look bright, people will generally shy away from investing in that stock market, that bet on tomorrow's gain in profits. They will put money into safer investments like municipal bonds, These all of our um, the government debt that's offered. We, we will buy that because it's a safe bet with a good return. Um, we call it the flight to safety. So good news in the job market. Bad news for interest rates. Bad news in the job market. Good news for interest rates. And it's and that is amplified in this current environment because good news in the job market and good news in our general economy means the likelihood of the Fed 
discontinuing their purchase program is higher. They're, so, they're more likely to get out sooner than later, which means we need a higher yield to attract a new buyer that's right. when the Fed leaves the market. And oddly, several days this last week, and we've seen this phenomenon happening for the last month here uh, pretty regularly, we will see. So usually, you know, so as we talk about that news and the way that it'll affect interest rates, um, usually a really good day in the stock market will have people leaving the bond market, moving money into the stock market to become part of that wave of riches. And when the demand falls in the bond market, um, the yields have to go up to attract fresh investors. There's a direct competition there for investment dollar. So it's kind of a rare bird when you see the stock market and the bond market fall in the same day or both go up in the same day. It's like... Um, it almost feels like a net, like a net zero game here, where if the money's flowing from one market into the other, how do they both go up on a day or both go down on a day? But we've seen that happen quite a bit lately, and. I mean, I don't think the average person watches this with the level of enthusiasm that we do. But um, if you were and you were watching it, you could be confused about the disconnect. And you just have to remember that all of this is being undermined right now at the, the fact that any good news now is actually looking like bad news for the stock market, which is historically um, opposite. And so we're we're now we're seeing that, and that that's a f- strange thing to try to negotiate here. So I know we have to jump into a commercial break, but back to the unemployment thing, just really quickly. I want to put it in perspective. We've we've been on the mend as far as jobs go for quite a while. Remember back when the whole world was in financial crisis and Europe was all the the news, and they were they were experiencing yeah, major problems with all that Greece debt and everything. So well. <laughs> I, I was going to focus more on their unemployment rate. Europe's unemployment rate just this month, the, their most recent reading, hit a new record high. Uh-oh. So they're continuing to experience worse and worse unemployment. So rem- I, I remember you and I having a conversation on this show about what's the right approach to solving this financial mess that we're in. Is spending money like we chose to do, like the U.S. government chose to do. Buy your way out of your problem? Is that the right way to do it? Or is austerity, which is what Europe chose to do, is that the right way? I think that when you're spending money, you know, I mean, and this this is not just me. This is the major criticism of this approach. It's working today. Right. What's tomorrow look We've like? We've still got a long way to go. What happens now <laughs> when we have to pay back this $20 trillion of debt here on a interest rate that's not zero? Touche. No, it's, it's, so it's, it's a great point. Today feels good today. It's a great point that you bring up, but it sure does feel better where we are right now than what um, Europe seems to be experiencing. Well, right now. Right now. And right isn't now. that a very American ideal? <laughs> Instant <laughs> gratification. <laughs> All right. It's time to take a commercial break here. It's 1124. We're going to thank our sponsors once again, and we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home purchase or refinance can be a stressful endeavor. And if you're like most Californians, you only get a home loan once every five years. That's why you need an experienced guide who knows the terrain and can carry the load of two mules. You need the Mortgage Sherpa, and he's only at Central Coast Lending. Let the Mortgage Sherpa lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy is kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call agent Susan Rodriguez. The third annual Stacks Wine Raffle is on, and you can win 100 bottles of premium wine valued at over $3,000 courtesy of Stacks Wine Bar of Morro Bay. Only 100 tickets will be sold. One in five tickets will be a winner, but only one lucky person will win the grand prize. All proceeds are to benefit the Morro Bay 4th of July celebration. The raffle will be held on June 30th at 1 p.m. at Stacks Wine Bar in Morro Bay. Help support the Morro Bay 4th of July and buy your raffle ticket today. For more info, call 772-5055. That's 772-5055 or go to StacksWine.com. feel like I'm getting a massage right now. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 1127. Um, today's a funky day. Uh, Jim just played some really weird music, and I think that the reason is is because um, we're trying to come to grips with understanding how and why the news is being kind of opposited into the markets the way that it generally is. So I want to talk about the next little piece here that proves to be a little bit dumbfounding. Part of the responsible uh, news this week that drove the stock market down yesterday is the Kaysen-Shiller 20-city index. So so first of all, Kaysen-Shiller keeps... Metrics about the value of real estate, um, and this particular one is a 20-city index. It's a pretty good smattering sampling of uh, cities across the U.S. Gives us an idea of, you know, uh, things on the edges always work a little bit different than middle America. So this this gives us an idea of what's going on across the country. Uh, keep in mind, too, Case Shiller has a two-month lag. 
So it's right now in June, we're hearing the numbers of what happened ultimately in April. And so there's a little bit of a lag there. It's always that way. We just accept it. There's some other metrics that come out um, in a more timely fashion. But um, they put together this index, and it shows that property values in 20 cities increased 11% in the year that ended in March. So a 12-month gain of 11%. Uh, stealing the headlines away on housing this week is that this is the biggest 12-month gain since April of 2006. Uh, was there gains in April of 2006? That was the – remember July? July <laughs> is know. your peak. It's hard to imagine <laughs> that stuff was still going up back then. But um, at any rate, that's – Phenomenal news. I mean, as we were talking about that uh, recovery hangover earlier in the show, for the average American that's not heavily invested in the stock market with all of their, you know, excess funds, your home, that's where it's at. This is great news that year over year in a sampling that crosses the nation, that it averages out to be an 11% pickup. Um, and, and really the highest that we've seen ultimately since this recession started. So that's good news. That really is good news. But again, we're in funky twilight zone mode right now where that's not totally translating into um, – looking great for the stock market doesn't help us all because that news was bad news for interest rates, right? Really good housing news is bad news for interest rates. And we saw the bond yield creep up a little bit. It causes some reprices for the worse. And then, um, you know, that of course, is leading us to believe that, hey, as we recover, we need to keep working towards these higher rates. And every time we see good news now for the last three weeks, all they say is, hey, there's one more one more piece of evidence that the Fed's going to cite when they decide to raise rates and taper off this mortgage-backed securities. So again, people start going, oh, okay, then, then the stock market needs to go down too. And so... So buckle up, because I think that this is going to be the trend. We've seen this S&P K-Shiller index for a few months in a row, giving us readings anywhere from 8 to 12% improvement in values year over year. Remember, the, the housing market is a cyclical market, so we generally want to compare April of this year to April of last year and April of the year before. We want to compare the same month for each year because of that seasonality of real estate. So when we get into the May number and the June number and the July number, comparing them to the May, June, and July of last year, they're probably all going to be 8 to 12% higher. Sure. Because, I mean, think about it. Think In our own backyard, that three-bedroom home in Los Osos that was selling for three hundred grand last year, it's selling for about three thirty this year. Yeah. Shoot, Easy. it might even be selling a little bit more than that. Probably closer to three fifty yeah, right now. And, and Tascadero has done the same kind of thing. We've our, seen it. All our market's over the a little bit higher than the national trend. It's it's recovered a little bit faster. But don't get used to this kind of home price appreciation. Um, two, three, four, five years from now, I, I don't think that's a trend. In fact, I it's funny. I heard. Um, through the grapevine of a, a client of, of our companies who bought a home maybe two years ago, did a little remodel. His value shot up considerably. 
he's he's ready to get his real estate license and start flipping homes. And oh, I'm like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> your, your situation is the product of good timing um, and being ready to strike during that, that timing um, that worked out for you. Don't get used to 10, 11, 12% of price appreciation in real estate looking out longer term. Yeah, That's well, not the reality. And, and uh this didn't need to be talked about for a few years, but evidently we're going to need to get this conversation going again. Uh, it used to be a profession, a real estate speculator, and real estate speculators generally, if you're not on the development side where you understand the cost to develop and how to make a profit, um, otherwise your real estate speculation was tied directly to cash flow. And they invest, they speculate and invest for a return on cash flow. Uh, I want to say never. I'm going to use the word never. A good real estate investor never relies on appreciation for their primary um, primary reason to invest. That's flawed logic. That's how we got into this mess. Uh, well, that and some pretty loose lending policies. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, uh, we may need to start reminding people again. Another thing that I thought was kind of funny, too, so my 10-year-old son got way into um, the, like, home – I don't know the networks or whatever, but it's like uh, – a there's a few of them that are on the air right now. Uh, buying a house. Like HGTV stuff? Yeah, like House Hunter kind yeah, of thing, yeah. right? So some of them are fun. Like I, I really enjoy watching the ones in Hawaii where they like – because the houses are a little bit different and they're really open with cool patios and just beautiful landscapes. And, and I also like to look at it from the standpoint of how much the real estate costs and stuff like that. But, but they're doing this around the world now, and it's not just about buying, but it's also about um, – rent they'll 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 utilize a broker to go view four or five different homes within a a monthly budget of rent and um find a an appropriate home then it struck me as very different from here you want to rent a house in san luis you don't go get yourself a broker to negotiate your rent you have to like scour um, the papers and all this kind of thing, and then race to compete to be one of the applications in because it's so so cutthroat. But those, um, anyways, my point to this was more about um, they started making television shows about flipping homes, and a couple of the, like the bigger, smarter real estate investors in the world were saying, "Hey." When they start doing television shows, showing some knuckleheads from wherever that don't even know which end of the hammer to hold and they're flipping houses, making ludicrous amounts of money, that's when you need to get the heck out of the real estate market because it's overheated and it's attracting people that have no business trying to flip a home. Um, and so, and, and there's still some of the, the little flipper shows on. I mean, it's definitely there's not as rampant less. as it was. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Pretty exciting stuff, but, though. Evidence of a healing housing market, right? When you got that optimism. More evidence is that contracts to buy existing homes rose to their highest level in three years in April. So we're starting to see a confident seller out there now willing to list their property. Obviously, there's a lot of qualified buyers out there right now. We know that because of the the 
overbidding and multiple offer environment we're in, but now we've got the product coming to market to satisfy the demand. So we're seeing uh, more contracts for sale. Are you having Wes on the show next week? Do you know? Don't know who's joining me. It's probably going to end up Wes, and this is something that you guys are going to want to talk about because – um, I was at the office meeting over there a couple weeks ago, and and there's a couple there's a gal in there that is just phenomenal at tracking local metrics around San Luis, and um, she's pretty old school, um, just does a great job, um, Bev. And at any rate, she was saying that they could see a little bit of a a spike, it seemed, or or an influx of new properties onto the market. And, of course, as somebody that's like a, a practitioner of the industry, you you hear some piece like that, and now you, you need to – you do. You have to critically think about this. You have to wonder, is it just a fluky thing? Is it because we just got past taxes and now the kids are about to graduate and summertime is the right time to make your move and sell and buy? Like – there's some of that for sure. So, so, but again, they saw a little bit of an influx of new properties in the market, and um, the cynic in me is going, "Well, maybe there's some people sitting around that are going, hey, what? You guys are putting a house on the market and getting eight offers in the first day, and it's going over asking price, and uh, maybe I do want to sell." And when that becomes like the general sentiment, like the water cooler conversation is, oh, I put my house on the market. We didn't even have to put a sign in the front yard. We had 10 offers for over asking price in the first three days. Um, How many people is that going to like, you know, somehow solicit into the game? Like, well, our house is a little bit small. Maybe we should sell this and and be a move up buyer. Yeah, that's I've I've been really eager to see how this summer home buying season plays out because we've we've seen this environment for a while now through the winter and spring and now it's summertime now it's time where people generally get out and start listing homes and looking for new homes um, now it's starting to get more active the other sign of of a improving housing market is that the number of distressed property sales continue to decline as a percentage of the overall market. Um, In the most recent quarter, the first quarter of 2013 of this year, um, bank-owned homes and properties already in foreclosure made up just 21% of home sales. Uh, That's down from 25% of all home sales the first quarter of 2012. Yep. So getting better. Uh, If you guys want to call in, you're welcome to do so. We'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your questions, we'll field them at 543-8830. You can come live on the air with us and ask your question. You could also, if you're chicken, could just tell Jim and he'll relay the question to us. So we'd love to hear from you. 543-8830. Go ahead and do a phone call here from Sherry from Paso Robles. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hi. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, Thanks for calling. I, yeah, thank you. I Just a little background. I am in my mid-60s, and I'm a real estate investor. Okay. So I just had a, I just had a call in on your, what you're talking about. Um, and real estate investors don't buy for appreciation, or a good investor doesn't buy for appreciation. And I, I just wanted to kind of point out and get your opinion on there's such a big difference between flipping, in my opinion, that's speculating, 
that the market's going to go up rapidly, and investing, which most investors realize it's a long-term situation. Uh-huh. So there really is a difference between that. And investing, yeah, appreciation is uh, one of the huge reasons why people invest. It's just a matter of time. Well, and there's some people that are really good at flipping houses because they've experienced doing it, you know. But I, I mean to tell you that... I I just did some work at my house. I redid my countertops and my backsplash, and I ended up with a new sink. And and let me tell you what happened, though, which is not uncommon. Uh, I got into the plumbing. I ended up back at the hardware store seven times. I I didn't have the right stuff. I got the wrong things. I needed an extension. I didn't have the plumber's putty. Um, Everything that I did, once I got it all assembled again, I found out that for the garbage disposal being out for a week, the seals dried out and it leaked. I had to buy a new one. Everything I did turned out to be a little bit more expensive, took a little bit longer and a little bit more work than I anticipated. And that's the dangerous thing for people that just, you know, go, hey, water looks warm. Let's flip a house. It it feels like a bigger can of worms. So I do think there's a market for people that are good at it um, and maybe a fine time to do so. But uh, generally speaking, I'm not sure it's great for the average person. And, to do and, I, and I totally agree with you. I just wanted to point out that most people don't realize that a, a real real estate investor, uh, there's a difference between that yeah. and flipping. That's long-term. And I know you said earlier that you didn't want to comment on <laughs> this, but I, I'm sorry. I just happened <laughs> to get up when you said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you're in your 30s or something. But I'm in my <laughs> mid-60s, and my parents bought their first house in the 1950s. And uh, I just, again, your comment on dumb luck, when in the 1950s, two people who make a few hundred dollars a month are able to save $5,000 and pay cash for a house, yeah. I, do not, I do not consider dumb luck. No, uh, yeah, and I certainly don't mean to say that. I was I was trying to kind of shade my opinion a little bit here that for us that feel like we kind of missed that opportunity, like you... It's you, all relative. Yeah, it is certainly all relative, and... and Again, my my point is just more that we have to find those new opportunities today, and I think the biggest one no. lies in getting the good good low yeah, interest rate. Yeah, I understand. I just didn't want to diminish the people that lived in those times. They had they had a lot of other hardships that we don't experience today. So it's all about. And the other comment I, I have, you know, <laughs> is you know, I'm glad you get into the the big picture as far as why uh, we have such inflated prices, and the reason is the government, who's actually not printing money, they're digitizing it. It's not not real. So I'm glad you touched on that topic. That's the reason um, uh, things are so inflated, is they've been digitizing all this money. That's what causes inflation. That's why houses cost 10 times what they used to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, Sherry, thanks so much for listening, and thank you for calling today. I sure appreciate it. Bye-bye. Yeah, we got um gosh, we're running out of time. Dan, I think we need a three-hour show. <laughs> See, last week I felt like it was tough to, like, fill it up because our pace was too fast in the beginning. But um, now today we're struggling. There's so much more to talk about. But we owe our sponsors their final commercial break for the show. 
Um, take a second here to pay some attention to these commercials. These are businesses that we know and trust and um, use personally. These are sponsors of Mortgage Matters that help make the show possible. So thank you to the sponsor. We'll be back after this short break for the conclusion of Mortgage Matters. The third annual Stacked Wine Raffle is on, and you can win 100 bottles of premium wine valued at over $3,000 courtesy of Stacks Wine Bar of Morro Bay. Only 100 tickets will be sold. One in five tickets will be a winner, but only one lucky person will win the grand prize. All proceeds are to benefit the Morro Bay 4th of July celebration. The raffle will be held on June 30th at 1 p.m. at Stacks Wine Bar in Morro Bay. Help support the Morro Bay 4th of July and buy your raffle ticket today. For more info, call 772-5055. That's 772-5055 or go to StacksWine.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a savvy real estate investor, there's no denying that now is a great time to buy. We pride ourselves in offering every loan program at the lowest interest rate and the lowest fees. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, we do it all. Let Central Coast Lending do your next purchase. Your loan will close on time and on budget with no last-minute surprises. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage expert. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 11.47. We are running out of time. Dan. Sir. A show such as ours would be remiss to not mention even once that we saw first quarter GDP come out this week. We did. Or not first quarter. Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, this was first quarter. This was first quarter yeah. 2013. This might be the second reading, though, of the GDP. Yep. They, they do like three readings of this figure to, to get it right. It takes There's a lot of data that goes into it. So they, yep. they'd come out with it a few times. This is the preliminary Q1 GDP. They expected it to be unchanged at 
plus two and a half percent came out at two point four. You would think that that would um, drive the stock markets down a little bit. The fact that the economy is not growing at the pace that it was expected to. And um, when that number came out on Thursday, Thursday was actually an up day in the market. And I was watching that thinking, what in the heck? GDP should have been disappointing. That should have um, caused concern in the stock market. But then I go, hey, remember, it's backwards week. So that GDP being low would be one reason that the feds may keep stimulus in place longer, which would give stocks a little rally on a brighter tomorrow. So then I kind of laughing to myself that, hey, we change the story from one day to the next. Are we worried about the tapering of the feds purchasing or are we not? It seems like we're playing both sides of the fence here. Yeah, it really does. Well, the way it works with the media is that the headline comes out, the data comes out, the markets react, and then the rationale is is provided. So um, they've got the they've got the story for the happenings. They they can explain it either way. So yeah, it does feel like we're getting both you know differing stories here. I think the important thing with the GDP is that it's significantly better than fourth quarter GDP, uh, the fourth quarter 2012, where we were at 0.4% growth, so much improved. Um, It also provides a little bit of a forecast of what we're going to see for second quarter GDP, the quarter we're currently in. Um, There was some worries that maybe second quarter we're running at about a 2% clip. So the fact that we're still in the mid-twos is a little more reassuring to the investment community that that we're a little bit healthier than we're thinking we are for or than expectations for second quarter. So that's kind of there there's a few different things going on. Mm-hmm. Um that so that that was a a good reading I think. Um what was the other bit of data that we saw? We saw manufacturing. Yep. Manufacturing was great for May. Manufacturing jumped the most that it's that we've seen month over month since July of 1983. In 30 years, it's the best month over month improvement in 30 years for manufacturing. Um, we're at the highest level since early t- uh, 2012. We're in a period where the manufacturing index, it's the Chicago Manufacturing Index, where we're signaling that, that we're in an expansion mode with manufacturing. So that's great news. That's funny that you say 83 because there's a couple of, you know, for us younger guys, there's a couple of like poignant things they teach you in, in you know, grade school, high school, and college about the different um, – political agendas and what it meant. And one of the things that always really struck with me is that, um, so that was like the Reagan taking over from the Carter era and trying to get business and manufacturing out of the chokehold. And some of the environmental studies that I had at Cal Poly was talking about how Reagan was so pro manufacturing and stuff that they actually allowed or, or, approved some like environmental things like pulling scuffers off of the smokestacks of factories so that they could have a higher output and just 
you know, let let the pollution go rampant. We need to get manufacturing in order. So when you say that manufacturing has its biggest level since 83, I immediately begin thinking about that and, and just how a, a different kind of time it is today. But. That's good. It's good to see that we're getting back to manufacturing. That's going to be a big part of uh, the U.S.'s economy. All right. We've only got a few more minutes here left on the show. We've got one more call that we can take, and it's going to be Carl from Shell Beach. Thanks for calling in, Carl. Yeah. Hey, I was listening with uh, uh, concern when you were talking about flipping. Uh, Reading Schiller, he says, we better get your flipping done by... In the next four months, because housing is going to hell, and uh, and I agree with him. The other thing is the uh, inflation. Uh, we get this BLS, uh, i.e. Bureau of Labor Statistics, phony numbers. Whereas, if you look at the real inflation, and your wife does it, or you do it when you go to the grocery store, uh, you look at the. Uh, there's a fellow who has a website. His name is John Williams, and it's called Shadow Government. And he shows uh, a lot of statistics. He shows U3, which is the phony unemployment numbers. He shows U6, which is the real unemployment numbers, which are 15 or 16 percent. Mm-hmm. And he also shows inflation running at 6 to 7 now, until Bernanke takes the punch bowl away, and I wish he'd cut that to nothing, uh, we're still going to have inflation. And when it comes back, it's going to come back and really bite us. We need mortgage rates at a 6 or 7%. It, you know, it'll devastate you guys. You're giving away free money, but uh, it'll be better in the long run for the United States economy. Anyway, those Agreed. are my comments. And but John Williams called shadow government, and he's he's great. He and Schilling are fantastic. Well, we appreciate the input, Carl, and we appreciate you listening to the show. Right. Um, I agree. I think I think in a healthy. I I think as our economy and this has been the theme of the show as our economy shows more signs of health we're going to see interest rates rise we're going to see bernacki begin to pull the plug on the stimulus on the spending um it's not going to be a overnight change um they've made that pretty clear it's going to be a gradual exiting from this bond and mortgage-backed security purchasing uh, program that they're on right now um, we're going to see slight decreases until it gets to zero. And along the way, we're going to see interest rates rise. And I don't think 6 7% is unrealistic. Uh, I'm not really sure about the timeline for that. Uh, probably a few years at least. It seems It seems to me that that's, you know, if, if you – and sometimes you got to dumb these things down to, to wrap your mind around them. If you were going to loan somebody your money for 30 years – now, they're probably not going to keep it for the whole 30 years, but what would it take to let somebody wrap up your funds for what could be 30 years if they were just old school and kept it the whole time? Would you do it for 3%? Only if it was the last resort. <laughs> only if it was the only only option I had. 
But probably uh, for the normal investor that just is looking to not be beat by inflation and not be losing money in the savings rate, right? I mean, we're not going to see savings accounts at 7%, are we? No. Okay. I, I, I want to say no. I want to say no. I was, I was, I was begging you to say no. Um, so that being said, if you make the loan at seven percent, then you're beating savings rates always. But see, if you make the loan at three and a half percent or three and a quarter percent, there will be savings rates higher than three and a half percent. So you're not even beating the savings rate. So it, it, my point is, when you're going to attract an investor, that's not the the federal government here that as Treasury is buying this stuff every day. We're going to attract an outside investor. It's going to take something that's guaranteed to be higher than the average savings rate. And I do. I believe it's going to be 6 7%, maybe as high as 8 or 9%. You never know. So many of Carl's points are well taken. I, I am glad that he brought up some of the other metrics. You know, We all know that the gallon of ice cream, although co- the consumer um, – The pint now? Price Two-thirds index, of a gallon? Yeah, although it, it seems to suggest there's no inflation. We know things have been getting a little more expensive. He also brings up the point about employment. Um, all the talk right now is about how jobs are improving. He brings up the U6, which is the underemployment rate, and that includes people who are um, working part-time, who want to be working full-time, or who are working under their skill level. Um, those folks are all factored into that U6 number. But even that number has improved um, by about, I want to say, 3 to 4% since we started into this um, recovery cycle in 2008. I, I remember that being in the 18, 19, 20% range, and now we're down to 15%. So although it's not a real attractive number in the teens, it's still better than it was four years ago. Um, the one thing that I'm going to disagree with you, Carl, on is when rates get to 6 and 7% that our business is going to be devastated. I, I just think that um, this is the perfect segue to exit the show um, because we were talking about why we even do this show. We have built our business on honesty, openness, and credibility, and that's what we try to build with you every week here. And we believe that in any market, we're going to survive. And like I said earlier in the show, there will be fresh 30-year-olds that got out of college, have some years on the job, have saved some money, and are going to buy a home. And we're going to help those people buy those homes. And, and, then, you, f- and you folks who have your three and a half, three and a quarter percent interest rate aren't going to want to touch that loan, so you're probably going to want an equity line at some point. Yeah, an equity line or you know some other kind of things like this. And we'll see the return <laughs> of loans that um, help self-employed people finance homes. There'll be, there'll be stuff to do. Not to mention... I'll I'll tell you this. This is my crystal ball right here tells me that when the rate hits 9%, rather than us all fall on our face and die on the vine, you know what's going to happen? Let's go to a 40-year fixed. Hey, get your 9%. We'll make a 40-year fixed. An adjustable mortgage? No, I mean, you can do that too. (laughs) But I'm just saying... Houses survive longer than 30 years now, we know, to current construction standards. There's a good argument to be made for making a longer-term amortization if affordability is really what's killing people. So, Carl, I know you wish us well. 
We're going to be just fine. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening today. We really appreciate it. I hope that some of you first-time listeners that stuck around after the Jeff Bradley Show enjoyed what you heard today. We're on every week from 10 to noon. Check us out on the web this week. We're centralcoastlending.com. The website's full of resources for you. Give us a call if you want to figure out how to get into that low interest rate. We're at 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Thanks. Have a great week.